Hey, Brian Hubbard here, pastor at Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person God wants you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more on how to connect, grow, and go. Now for today's message. This morning, though, uh, I want to talk to you about a message titled, He Has Risen. It's the greatest news that you're ever going to receive. It's the greatest news that you can ever share. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15 is going to be our focus this morning. It will be on the screen. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I've been to bring this message to you. Um, before we begin, I want to tell you how good God has been to me. My, you, I can tell when the Spirit's... <laughs> in one accord, because Molly stole my opening part of the sermon, how good God has been to me. Um, I just can't thank him enough. Normally this sermon, though, is a sermon that you hear on Easter Sunday morning, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. But it's a good reminder of the power and the sanctification that we have in our Lord and Savior. And through his blood, we are justified. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then we'll dive straight into our verses. Father, just as the music said, open our eyes of our heart. Lord, we know the goodness. <laughs> and I just want to pray those lyrics, Lord. When I'm struggling, your goodness is running after me. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Let us honor and worship you with all that we have from our head to our toes. Let it be all about Jesus this morning. It's in his most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verse 1, chapter 28, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him because fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. Amen. But he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There, there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. Amen. Then Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and take... Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were there, now while they, I'm sorry, now while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that they, all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, 
They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews, and it is to this day. So this morning I want to talk to you about the facts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it is a fact. Now in today's society, you're going to hear that religion is looked at more as a preference or as something uh, superficial. We hear things like this, believe what you want to believe. We hear things, ah, just do what makes you feel the best. We hear things like, ah, just serve yourself, take care of you, be a good person. That's all that matters. If you even think about the movies that is produced from the Hollywood thinking of mine, most of the time they do a decent job of the crucifixion. They make it real, the, the nails and the hands and the feet and the crown of thorns. But think about when it comes to the resurrection. Most of the time the scenes are just a picture of the tomb and a scenic music. And we never see Jesus walking out of that tomb in the movies. Hmm. I wonder if it really truly happened this way, how many believers would there be? But as Scripture has it, there was many eyewitnesses to describe what happened. So my first point or my first thing I want to talk about this morning is that truth isn't subjective. Truth is the truth. Now let me give you an example of what I mean by truth not being subjective. Many of you here this morning probably have a little money in your bank account, right? Don't ask me because Stacy does all that for me. But I'm assuming there's some money in that bank account. Now what if you were to go to the bank in the morning and you were to try to draw out some money? And you get up to the teller and you say, hey, I want to draw out this amount of money. And the teller replies, I don't feel that you have any money in your account. This conversation is going to go well, right? You're probably going to reply, uh, excuse me, um, I have money in my account. As a matter of fact, I know how much money's in that account. Then the teller's probably going to respond, it may be true for you that there's money in that account, but it's not true for me that there's any money in your account. Folks, the truth is the truth. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has risen. Amen? So, why is the truth questioned so much in our society? <laughs> When the ultimate truth and the ultimate question we have to ask ourselves is where will we spend eternity? I feel that sometimes Christians have such a huge burden of proof on their shoulders. They have to show people why they have the hope that they do, the belief that they do. And we should carry a little burden. It should be. But here's the thing. The non-believers have a larger or greater burden to carry than us. They have no foundation. They are shifty sand. They don't know which side of the fence that they're on. Let me explain. Even the most secular scholars in the world, the smartest of the smartest folks, cannot disprove that Jesus rose and resurrected from the tomb. They try to challenge with some examples like this. Even though they're all false, here's what they try to say. Some religions believe that Jesus did not die on the cross, our Muslim brothers and others. 
While some try to say that while Jesus was being crucified, he fell unconscious because of the pain, and then he was buried alive. While all that sounds possible, it's not real plausible. It's not possible. How could Jesus have went through what he went through? If you think about the floggings and the beating and the crown of thorns, and he carried his cross and a spear thrust into his side, and then his body carried away to the tomb and prepared for death, how could it not be true? Let's go into something else. Some people talk about the wrong tomb theory. They say that the women ran to the wrong tomb. <laughs> I just have trouble believing that with all the eyewitnesses that write about it. Or as Matthew wrote himself in these verses, some believe that the disciples stole the body. They set it all up by stealing the body. Now, I just can't believe this to be true. Hear me out. These men and women, the Bible says, deserted Jesus and were hiding when he was took away. They didn't want any part of him, if you know what I'm saying, at that moment. And there's no way that these scared folks overthrew the trained guards who were trained to protect and to kill. I just have trouble believing that. And the biggest statement in my mind goes back to, well, if they stole the body while they were being persecuted, wouldn't you say, wait, I know where it's at. Give me just a moment. I can point you on a map. Just pull a map out or whatever they had. I know where the body's at. I just don't believe that I would intentionally die for something that I don't believe in. Do you? If I believe in it, you got it. If I don't, I'm going to say, hey, I do your thing, buddy. Save my hide, but whatever, okay? Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher from the 1600s, said this about the witnesses of Jesus and the disciples of Jesus. Now, this is pretty harsh, but this is what he said. He said, I believe those witnesses that get their throats cut. Now you think about that, how powerful it was that Peter would say, don't crucify me as my Lord and Savior, but spin me around and hang me upside down. That's my version of it. But he said, no way I'm worthy of dying the way Jesus Christ did. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 testifies about the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to bounce around a little bit here. But in verse 3 he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Amen. And that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Verse 12, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Folks, Paul is arguing the point that Jesus died and rose out of that tomb, as Brother Steve says, for your justification. Charles Spurgeon, thank you. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, we have to throw him in here once every two sermons. He's just 
here. We lean on him a lot. He says this about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon says, The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is one of the best attested facts on record. There were so many witnesses to behold it that if we do in the least degree receive the credibility of the men's testimonies, we cannot and dare not doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection is a fact better attested than any event recorded in history, whether ancient or modern. There's no denying it. Case for Christ is a book written. I've read a little bit of it and I got all the way through it. A non-believer trying to discredit, but he kept running into roadblocks. And eventually he said, you know what? This is real. <laughs> I've tried every other way. Jesus Christ is real. And what he done for me is a real thing. It really happened. Amen. And this is just a few reasons why we can stand firm in our faith that Jesus Christ rose, died on the cross, and rose out of the tomb. Now, I'm going to flip script a little bit. We've talked about the facts of the resurrection of Jesus, but this morning I want to point out four imperatives, four crucial and vital things that the angel said to the women that we must follow if we want to fulfill the Lord's great commission. If we look at verse 5, it said, The angel said to the women, woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. So I want to talk about the angel saying, Come and see. Okay, Put yourself in the shoes of Mary and these other women. They've arrived at the tomb first. Now, Think about what's going through their minds. They're in a graveyard first and foremost. Probably not the most warm and fuzzy feeling place in America. Okay, let's be honest with ourselves. Or in their time, I said America, but they weren't in America at the moment. Uh, they also, John writes about the same scripture and he says it's dark out. So you got to play into that. It's right in the morning time. They probably don't have great vision uh, or sight just due to the darkness. And then the fear of Rome probably hindered them. If you think about it, what if they would have got caught out there? Hmm. The seal of the tomb, the seal of the tomb was broken, which would have meant they could have been implicated in a crime such as grave robbing, which was very popular at this time. Yet, through all of that, they crept closer and they heard the invitation of the Lord's messenger from God. And through Scripture, the Lord offers us the same invitation. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 29 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So this morning I ask you, have you obeyed God's invitation to accept Him into your heart? If you have, do you know of someone who needs to do so. Well, then these next imperatives are going to be really vital for you. The second thing we notice in Scripture that the angel says is the word see. He says, come and see. Now, if you think about the tomb, I picture myself being there and being with those ladies and being the faster disciple. That's not in the Scripture, but it's later in there. And getting there, 
And here's someone saying, come in and see. So what is it that we would see when we look into the tomb? Well, first thing we should notice is the superiority of Jesus. I think I said that right. His strength, His might. For Jesus was not a man whom death would be natural. Jesus is God. He, is, he was with the Father from eternity and will be with Him forever. And we should never expect Him to die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So why would a man who never sinned have to die? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because he died for you and for me. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. It don't get no better. I got chill bumps. It don't get no better than that. The peace that we have was because of the punishment that he took. Amen? That should make us look into the tomb and see the horror of our sins and turn to Jesus and never look back. Then we should look at the tomb and see that death is coming our way also. We too shall die. Of course, the Lord, uh, unless the Lord comes back before that moment. But the tomb speaks of our mortal bodies and how we should prepare for His coming. And then most importantly, if you don't hear anything, hear this. When we look in the tomb, we should see that Jesus is not there. <laughs> it's empty. Now for a believer, that is the utmost importance in Scripture that we can come across, that the tomb is empty, that he fulfilled Scripture because he said he was going to rise, and he did. He said that he was going to conquer death, and guess what? He did. And because he's been resurrected, guess what? We get to be resurrected. Amen. Third imperative that I want you to focus on is the word go. Verse 7 says, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Now, I thought about what this may meant to me. And if I was in their shoes, it would have been easy to probably disobey. And here's what I'm saying. If we've received salvation in our hearts and we believe what the Lord tells us in the Bible, it's probably easy to pray for blessings for us and to never pour out our cup once God fills it up. But that's not what we're called to do. That's not what these women done. There's work to be done, folks. And we must go on with it. Jesus' last command is found in Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. You better be able to quote this. If not, after today, we better study. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always until the ends of the age. There's no worries. He tells you right there, I am with you always. Always. That's not subjective. That's truth. Always. Fourth and final imperative is the word tell. And it came last and it rightly fits. Here's why. Because if we know the tomb is empty, 
And we have seen the saving power of God and experienced His grace and mercy. Then we must run and we must tell it. James Boyce, president and co-founder of the organization that produces the Bible Study Hour. Many of you probably know the scripture or the study books that I'm talking about. The Bible Study Hour says this about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The news of the resurrection is powerful, even astonishing, but good news must be told, and if we do not tell it, our actions can only be the result of unbelief or that we do not understand what a great, powerful, and astonishing gospel it is. Folks, we need to be going and telling we need to be going and telling. A fellow by the name of C.T. Studd. I thought that's a pretty cool name. C.T. Studd, myself. I don't know. Anyway, my fleshly body took over for a minute. C.T. Studd. <laughs> he was a British missionary in the 1860s. Check out this quote. Let this sit on your heart. It should be on the board, I believe. Only one life will soon be passed. But what's done for Christ will last. You're going to leave this earth. It's coming. It may, it may be sooner or later. I don't know. It may be a virus. I don't know. It may be something else. I don't know. But what's done for Christ will last. When, as I love those, help me out here. When the roll is called up yonder, that's what's going to matter. When the roll is called up yonder. Salvation through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest news ever told. And it's the greatest news because number one, it is true. It is true. But number two, because of what it proves. Now I'm going to give you a long list of what the resurrection and this crucifixion means to us. It proves that the God of the Old Testament is the true God. It proves that Jesus is God's Son and our Savior. It proves that His death has been accepted by His Father as a true atonement for our sins. As Hebrews says, once and for all. Amen. It proves that those who believe in Him are justified before God. Your record is wiped squeaky clean. Amen. It proves that there is power for victory over sin for all who belong to Jesus. And lastly, it proves that those who are joined to Jesus by faith will be raised from death to life and spend eternity in heaven. Folks, there's no greater news than that, is there? Amen? Amen. So let me ask you this. As we begin to close... We're going to kind of close it with this. How can we not share that message? In the littlest or smallest, littlest is not a word, in the smallest of ways, how can we not share it? Prime example, I don't get on Facebook much, I try to let Stacy do most of that. But when I do, Greg Collett's picture seems to pop up of the sunrise. Amen. And says, Lord, thank you for another day or thank you for this view. That's a God-given thing that we have. Amen? <laughs> he says he knows the hair on our heads. We serve a great, mighty God. So I want to ask you this this morning. Is this the God you know? And if it is, 
Go tell somebody. Because Jesus is all that we've talked about, plus a little more. Amen. So I pray this morning as we open this altar and as the music plays, that you listen to His voice when He calls your name. If there's somebody on your heart that you should be praying for, i just be honest with you. I was praying this morning and for some reason a few names popped in my head and I go, wow. Then I get to church and I go, okay. Yeah. Because they need prayers. Amen. I need your prayers. We need your prayers. We're fighting something that's crazy right now. But I know a God that says His name is above every name. Every name. And I say it, said it before and I'll say it again. COVID-19, He's above it. Cancer, we know a lot of people. He's above it. Loss of a loved one, He's above it. Drugs and addiction, He's above it. Feeling unworthy, He's above it. Self-righteousness, He's above it. Anything you can name, Jesus is above it. Let us pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your love and Your mercy. <laughs> Lord, I thank You for giving me the strength to get through. Father, I thank You for this congregation and the people and, and the witnessing that they do. Father, I pray that they know that there's nothing that goes unnoticed by You, Father. Us humans may miss it. The pastor, the deacons may miss it. But Father, as that quote said, what's done for Christ is what will last. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, open the eyes of our heart as this altar's open, whether they're in their seats praying, standing praying, at the altar praying. Lord, you hear their cries. Lord, just be with us. Let us hold on to you and know that your goodness is running after us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Bring us back at the next appointed time, Father, so that in your name we can do all things and that in your name we can believe that we can overcome everything. That in your name, Lord, we can have faith. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, and to begin a personal relationship with Him. Thanks for listening, and God bless.